It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. Hey, Joran. How we doing? Uh, you listen, lights all down. You like spraying your keyboard, your headphone, your microphone, your cell phone, uh, yes. your house phone. Do you still have a house phone? Hell no. Oh, okay, got you? it. I, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, we're spraying anything with P-H-O-N-E in it uh, and probably anything spelled handle and uh surface like like seriously it, it sounds like we're being funny but literally uh i got clorox wipes under the desk i have them in every bathroom in the home uh yeah so outside of yeah. that i'm good yeah me too i mean literally just trying to not be completely consumed uh, sure. by the coronavirus and and all of its related activities um yeah. bathing my children in hand sanitizer on the regular they, yeah. they're about to drive me or i'm about to drive them nuts um but you know I, I think we we are just being cautious right now we put in a a no travel um policy for disability solutions for the next 30 days it's, it's quiet for us um during this early quarter in terms of of travel uh, we really pick up like, you know, most of us do with spring and conference or uh, summer and fall conferences. So I'm not too worried about it. I'm just trying to get ahead of it as much as we can. Yeah, no, no good, good stuff. And and again, I know we, 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 we were trying to push through and, and, you know, not overreact and, uh, you know, to kind of get out of kilter. I do believe a lot of individuals are subscribing to OCD type uh, activity. Uh, and you know, I'm not critical of them. I want people that are listening and, and even those that are not listening, I want people to simply be safe. Um, you know, I just want us to make it through this period. I want to also say shout out to you. I know we talked about it on the last pod, but just a real quick shout out to you and your team, uh, for working with Pepsi and the award that they received. I saw an announcement and it's just a beautiful thing. Congratulations to you and the team. Thanks. Thanks. The, the Department of Labor finally put out their press release. And I just want to say a special thanks to the Posis Family Foundation and the Kessler Foundation who um, helped fund the the dream that was Disability Solutions several years ago and to build on the success with Pepsi and, and the Pepsi Act program. So my my name drop will come early this week uh, in, in the episode. And, and thanks to those guys for believing in us. And uh, it, it feels pretty damn amazing to have this kind of recognition for for our community and and for the hard work that we've done um as a team good stuff yeah so julie i actually subscribed to a newsletter i don't know if you've ever seen it but it's inclusion solutions it's run by a smart brief and they actually had a poll last month that asked the question of if your organization was having a day of understanding in february and that would have been in conjunction with uh, the CEO Action uh, Initiative. And for those of you who may be new to Crazy and the King, we talk often about the CEO Action Consortium. It's more than 800 plus large organizations that have signed a commitment to push forward diversity, inclusion, 
uh, equity and belonging type activity and initiatives. And so when they asked the, uh, the poll last month, if your organization was having a day of understanding, 91% of the respondents said no. I paused because that was disappointing. 91% said no. And if you're not familiar with the day of understanding, I won't talk about it here in the pod. Highly encourage each of you to go out to ceoaction.com. That's ceoaction.com. Or you can go to Google or search engine and, and just type in day of understanding and CEO action. It'll take you right to the press release. They do it multiple times of year, but certainly the bigger time is in February and you know, when you consider where we are in terms of bias and workplace incidents, when you think about women that are leaving corporate America, you think about high courts are reviewing LGBTQ foster care cases, which have something to do with, you know, workplaces inside of nonprofits. It's a, a signal that we we all must do better, like we have to do better. Yeah. And you know how I feel about about pledges. And I think that, you know, there's some underlying evidence about the usefulness of pledges in, in that stat that you just stated, but it is a, a easy miss on the part of companies to start to bring some awareness. And, and you're absolutely right. When we're, ha- when we're missing the easy things, the celebration days, the, the things that are just feel good, it, it tells you about how we're doing on the hard things too. Yeah. So- um, you've got an interesting story this week that I probably would not have picked up on, um, but as soon as I saw it, I got super interested. So kick us off. Yeah, my scope hit the accounting profession. We often talk about technology. We'll every once in a while slide up to Wall Street and talk about finance and you know some of the shenanigans that they've been pulling uh, as of late, uh, you know, we'll talk about even perhaps a, a court case around certain people who are caught up in the Me Too and Time's Up era. But but I wanted to hit the accounting profession. And when this story, you know, came across, I was like, well, this might be uh, one we talk about. And it really focused, Julie, on, on why women leave firms and what we can do about it. So the article was actually written in what I believe to be second or you know, third person, I'm not an English major, but <laughs> let's just say, let's say, hey, maybe you can help me out. So Joey Havens wrote the article uh, and he's talking about two stories that he experienced at a recent conference. So, so Julie, if, if Joey is talking about overhearing two conversations, is that in second person or third person or what? I think it's second person. Got it. However, don't quote me on that. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So again, he illustrates these two scenarios. So let me give them to you really quickly. So the first scenario is about a woman and I'm doing it in brief. Of course, we'll have the link for the entire story in the show notes. First woman is a top performer. Okay. She's exceeding all expectations and what we would say, I'm, I'm saying easy to work with, but I'm doing that in air quotes because he doesn't say that. But all of the signals say that she was easy to work with. Outstanding evaluation. So we got an incredible model woman that is a part of our 
accounting firm. The catch was that she was on an abbreviated work schedule because she had recently become a mother. Absolutely, you know, clap your hands to to her becoming a mother. We we absolutely appreciate that. Well, the result is that she ended up quitting. She ended so up why? quitting. Well, she ended up quitting because the firm um let me let me find it in the story. She quit because the firm um said that it was hard for her to not have a normal work schedule. Oh, okay. Uh what's a normal Now here here's what's amazing. He wrote this story in February. Don't know when the the global summit was. Uh it was the 2019 AICPA Women's Global Leadership Summit. So I don't know exactly when that took place. I would assume had to be sometime in Q4 of last. So we're talking less than four months ago. And, okay. and here we are now in a period of remote working. Everyone talking about coronavirus and looking at what technologies they can use and how do we abbreviate schedules so that we can be accommodating to our entire entire employee base. This lady is an outstanding model employee and she's basically forced to quit because they don't want to work with her abbreviated schedule. They want her to work a traditional eight to five, you know, accounting firm, white glove type schedule. That's the first story. So let me let me comment really quick on on what really stood out to me in this first story. Yeah. And part of it, I think, is because I do have a team that works entirely remotely. All right. And some of them are on the West Coast. I'm in the Midwest. Some of them are on the East Coast. Okay. You and I travel a lot. I change time zones. I change countries. And I'm still able to work with my team regardless of our ability to interact with each other during a normal eight to five period because we don't. And so this struck me as a, a very similar of... How do you, as an accounting firm, manage people who are on the West Coast? If you're an East Coast-based firm, what are the expectations? Are they not promoted? Are they not, you know, subject to bonus or promotion if they're outside of your HQ's normal work schedule? Like, it seems a very comparable conversation to me in terms of just like this is sheer dumbassery. Um, but the other thing that's really important that she continued to perform at a very high level. Yep. But they mommy tracked her. They said, you're not eligible for bonus, promotion, or raise, even though you're an exceptional performer, until you sit your ass in a chair from eight to five. Eight to that five. That is so backward to how our, our workforce is moving, just as you're saying. But the other really important thing that that I'm seeing here is that another firm will pick her up and let her have a flexible work schedule. And this firm will continue to lose great talent who's female because they will not adjust to normal everyday work-life balance. And that's specifically to, to women in this case, but it's just completely irrelevant and antiquated to think that an eight to five is really what drives the, the top performance in this country of any any employee absolutely and so check the second story out you have uh and actually this one is a bit worse it also involves a new mother 
um, who was, uh, you know, high flying inside of her firm. She happened to conceive while they were in the middle of negotiating and subsequently winning the largest contract or the largest client in this firm's history from what I was able to, to gather. Uh, and, and, you know, without all of the details, she, she didn't necessarily go through an abbreviated work schedule, but she did go through an abbreviated, uh, what do you call that timeout for, um, maternity maternity leave. leave. Thank you. Yeah. She, uh, went through an abbreviated maternity leave and had to kind of buy some extra time or work, uh, or go, you know, go without being compensated for a couple of additional weeks, which already is a problem for me. But but here's what yeah. really, really pissed me off. When she came back from maternity leave, they wanted her to go sit on site with this large client, by the way, that she yeah. she helped to win to snag. It was a two hour commute each way. So we're talking four hours plus in traffic just yeah. when we can we can do th- we can do this work remotely and they were unwilling to budge in that ask of her and so right. she quit but not only did she quit another employee quit because of the way the wow. firm ran the culture and the lack of inclusion that was displayed the lack of belonging that was exp- uh, mm-hmm. displayed and what i tell people often and you do as well if you don't do DNI right, it is going to cost you. Yep. Absolutely. It is absolutely going to cost you. Frustrating. So, and, and you know, again, we we work off site and we have some clients who are very, very demanding, and we are a very small team. And one of the things that I had to learn as a leader um, in in order to retain the best and brightest and most valuable employees I have is I had to, one, demonstrate good work-life balance, but I also had to require that same thing of the way our clients, our companies that we work with, treated our staff and and my team. And so I, I have told clients these are not reasonable demands. I am not subjecting XYZ person on my team to um, values that we don't support as a company. And that, again, is you know just lack of putting your people first in more ways than one and allowing that, that bottom line, that dollar, um, to, to cause you to lose one of your best employees. And then the other thing that really comes to mind is, is can you not trust these high-performing, powerful women to do the job that they need to do from where they are? Yeah. And, and that in the time frame that they need to do it. Absolutely. You know, rhetorical question, but a legit, legitimate question, if you will. And and I just think that, you know, for all of us, whether we be men, women, uh, you classify as something different, you need to take some level of you know, emotional IQ, um, you know, business acumen, like historically, if Julie has a track record of performing and delivering, I should be willing to make some level of concession. It should not be a level of concession that displays or is synonymous with favoritism, but it should be one that says we are complementing the business. We are trying to do what needs to be done to continue to progress and move the business forward and also to maintain a heightened degree of inclusion and belonging and, you know, 
feeling as if you really are valued inside of this organization independently. Every single person has a different level of of connectedness to the organization, but we want every person to feel like, yo, we, we, we like what you're doing. Like, it's not that hard. And so, you know, for this guy who wrote the story, he wrote it from the standpoint, Julia, of saying, listen, I've been a bystander for far too long. Like I've watched this and I think that I've watched it over and over again. And this was a gut punch for him. It took him overhearing these stories at this major event and saying to himself, what what am I not doing enough of? How can I show up differently in my workplace and be supportive? I, I keep saying that, you know, my signature presentation for 2020 is less allyship and more action. This guy right here yeah. is a uh, an example of of that. I don't need your allyship. I don't need your your attaboy and your pat on the back. You know, uh, I need you to be active. You got to you got to be active. And so at the end of the article, for all of you who will read such, he lists five different ways that, you know, firms can explore doing a better job of building that environment, seeding the ground for incredible women to stay and grow with organizations. And you might find them to be applicable you know, to your environment, or you might add five more and feel free to share those with Julie and I on Twitter if you happen to do such. Absolutely. Absolutely. So which is a good reason. Hey, hey, Julie, real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Tell people your handle. That'll be a good reason for them Uh, to follow you on Twitter. Yes. At Julie Sowash, just like it sounds, S-O-W-A-S-H. So washed and so clean. You got it. And mine is at Torin Ellis. Take that second story, Jay. Awesome. So about a year ago, Torn, you and I just did a quick mention during the Women's World Cup about the chance for equal pay that were happening when the U.S. women were playing. Do you remember when we mentioned that? I think it was in the Castor Semenya episode. Yeah, I do. I feel like it was in May of 2019. I, I, I haven't been able to find a note on such, but I think it was in May of 2019. So an interesting update to this story. Um, And it's another great example of companies trying to put marketing machines into place and saying, don't look at what we do, look at what we say. And this is especially related to the court filings that the U.S. Soccer Association just put into place um, regarding the equal pay lawsuit that the women's team or the women's players, excuse me, have filed against the organization. And so U.S. soccer stated in court filings specifically to um, say why they should not have to pay the women as same as they pay the male team. And you're, you're going to love this. It is undisputed, and I'm quoting, that the job of the men's national team player requires materially more strength and speed than the job of a women's national team player. It also added, and again, I'm still quoting. I know the people are probably like throwing marshmallows at their computer right now. Go ahead. Yeah, to say the least. The job of the men's national team players carries more responsibility than the job of a women's national team player. So U.S. soccer has stated in court filings that women are materially and physically inferior to men to try and have the equal pay lawsuit 
dismissed. Yeah. And this is the argument that we've come to nearly a year later when the first argument has failed. And so Ryan McKinnon um, from the Mises Institute, who was very anti-equal pay in this article that he wrote last year, is saying that revenue is going to be the, the value proposition. The women will be able to have equal pay if they are bringing in the same amount of revenue. And they are, right? Ticket revenues are exceeding. Um, revenue since 2015 is at or exceeding men's soccer. Merchandising and, um, and sponsorships are exceeding. So let's move to the next argument, right? The next argument is that women are physically inferior to men, and so they must be paid less. And I think that's, it's not funny in any way, infuriating in every way, because the women are outperforming the men in their tournaments, in their leagues, in their matches, right? The women have outperformed the men in the most rec the recent World Cup tournaments. They have already qualified for the 2020 Olympics. The men, not so much. They start their qualifications in late March. Um, and if, if the women win next year, we've won four out of five of the last Olympics with the gold. Have yeah. the men done that? Oh, yeah. hell no. Yeah. And I, I could literally go on about this for, for all time. And I, I want to give you a chance to jump in. But I want to say one more thing about the watch what we say and not what we do um, example here. So about a week ago, um, the, the women's team played against Japan in a invitational tournament called the She Believes Cup. And I am, I am growing ever more suspicious of these marketing engines that are building women up and that are using it to generate generations of little girls who believe that they have equal value and that they have equal place in this country to make more money. When they will turn around and say to save money, as an organization, that women are, in fact, second-class citizens, both physically and materially in this country. Yeah, well, and let me tell you, you know, the the, the lawsuit is uh, around more than just money. The lawsuit is around, uh, in addition to inequity and in pay, it's around practice time, it's around practice locations, it's around medical treatment, coaching, and travel. And as you mentioned a moment ago, the women have been doing an incredible job of increasing the the gate, if you will, the revenue. Uh, 2015, Vox did a study that said that the women brought in uh, an additional $23 million post-World Cup win uh, and during their victory tour, which was more than the men brought in during the same period. And so, you know, just to put it in context, each player on the U.S. women's uh, national team could receive about $260,000 in maximum earnings for winning the women's world cup uh, versus the men earning about a million dollars. So it's not as if it's even close in terms of compensation. You know, when we look at normal 
uh, folks going to work. We will say that a man earns a dollar and then, you know, women may earn 77, 80 cents, 88, 82 cents, if you will. Like it's, you know, somewhere within 20% of what men earn. This right here is like a gross, gross difference. So, you know, it's not something that we are are shying away from. I'm glad that the women filed the lawsuit. I'm hoping that it works its way through the court and that they are victorious and that this is yet another issue that that they and we can put behind us. Absolutely. So, um, Torn, you want to you want to give us some name drops this week? Yeah, but before we do the name drops, I want to just yeah. highlight a couple of resources. Uh, you know, Joey Price from Jumpstart HR, he and uh, one of his partners, they did a webinar uh, last week on the coronavirus. Uh, I'm going to include the webinar. It's complimentary. You can take a listen to it. Uh, it's about an hour and five minutes, you know, a number of slides, number of resources. And I reached out to Joey uh, via Twitter. And he said that he also included uh, some uh, materials that were not covered in the webinar. So it actually may be just a tad bit more uh, than an hour, hour and five. And again, uh, unless you've been living under, uh, you know, a dark cloud, you've probably seen enough around coronavirus, but I don't believe that, you know, we can have too much. So Julie and I just wanted to put that resource out there for you. I also want to put out the resource from Recruiting Brain Food. Hung Lee uh, does an incredible job on RecruitingBrainFood.com. If you go out to his website, again, RecruitingBrainFood.com, and look to the far right across the top, you'll see something that says Larder, L-A-R-D-E-R. If you click on Larder, go down the left column, you can click on um, articles for remote working. Uh, and there's going to be a number of resources in there to help you or that may be a consideration to help you and your team do remote working. So just wanted to put those uh, resources out there. Cool. Love it. Yeah, I, th I think that's fantastic. Um, so I'll kick off our name drops then. So I just want to, again, the Kessler Foundation and the Poses Family Foundation for their support um, over the past, you know, seven years when we were just getting started with disability solutions, but especially to uh, Elaine Katz of the Kessler Foundation, who has been a, a mentor and a strong female leader in our space that I've always looked up to and admired. Um, and it means a lot to me that she reached out yesterday with some congratulations. So what about you? Yeah, my dear friend, Aubrey Blanche, who is with Culture Amp. You can find her on Twitter at A.D. Blanche. That's B-L-A-N-C-H-E. She is a constant force and voice as it relates to DNI related issues. And she put out a tweet last week that caught my attention. It was funny. Uh, and I'll just summarize it for you real quick. It says leaders growth is important. This she's actually doing like a little conversation in Twitter. So this would be from the leaders. Growth is important. Here's my three year strategy and multi-million dollar budget. Then the leaders will say diversity is also important to me. Here's some money for happy hour. Like we got to do better. We have to do better. We have to inside of our organizations really look at what the, the organization is saying is important to them and whether or not they are putting their money and their resources and their time where they say that these things are important. And if DNI is important, we should be evaluating what is being allocated so that we can do a better job in our organizations. I appreciate Arby Blanche. Awesome. 
So I'm uh, probably going to be home for the next couple of weeks. I uh, don't know if we're going to be headed to London now or not, but I'll keep you posted. Uh, going to be listening to Sirius XM this weekend to listen to my good friend, uh, Torin Ellis. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to have some great guests. We're going to do some stuff around Corona coronavirus as well. Uh, but we do have some incredible guests. Uh, so you just got to be tuned in. And before we even talk about Sirius XM channel 126, 1 p.m. on Sundays, I just did. I want to remind each and every one of you to just be better humans in your workplace. No profiling. No profiling. No profiling. Just be better humans. Let's figure out how to get through this event like we get through all other events. And let's try to make sure that when we make it through this event, that we don't go back to our siloed and individual and isolated ways. We always seem to come together when there's something that challenges us to have to come together and to work together. Let's just do that when we are not challenged. That's what I want for each and every one of you to be better humans. For now, Julie and I are ghosts. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.